0: I'm reading John 2, 1 to 12. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. there they stayed for a few days.
1: I love that story. I, I listen to the podcast, the podcast that Stan always puts out and Dave always records. And so I feel good being here amongst you uh, again, although I'm, with, I'm amongst you virtually, even from Mazatlan, this story just speaks to me and I think all scripture speaks to me one of the things I love about scripture is that it seems to resonate on different levels and I love that aspect of it I have some resonances uh, in my thoughts about this and there's three of them one there's this relationship that Jesus has with his mom which I think is precious Two, where this first miracle happens, and three, who sees this first miracle, so I'd like to talk about those things. So firstly, is Jesus's relationship with his mom is just um on point he's got a great relationship with his mom, and I really respect that We'll see see here in verse um, in verse two uh no. Uh, verse 3. They say, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. And Jesus responds as a son. He says, woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my, my hour has not yet come. He seems um, frustrated, right? His mom, he's sitting there in the middle of a, of a wedding and he's like, mom, it's not even my time, right? It, mom, why are, you, why are you talking to me? You know, and I, I recognize that frustration. Um, but Here's the thing is Jesus is, um, he's a son, right? And he's a son in the middle of a wedding. He, he's God. He's 30 years old, right? He's just starting his ministry now. So he's a full-grown man in his f- full capacity. And he, he is, he's not a child anymore. But he has a moment, or a moment, this moment of conflict with his mom, right? <laughs> and then what, what Mary says after that, I think is just fine. So he says, my hour's not yet come. And she says to the servants, do what he tells you, right? Yeah, I know Jesus. Yeah, it's fine. I hear you. Do, just do what he... He's going he's gonna to tell you what to do, and you should do that. You know, and here's the crazy thing, is Jesus does, right? And not a half-hearted sort of pacify his mother way. He, he does his first miracle in this context. Because not only is he the son of God, not only is he the savior of all mankind, he might have said, Mom, I'm here to save the world, not help out with your wedding banquet. What is up? But being the son of God... He is a son. Being the son of God, he submits to his mother. Being the son of God, he realizes the felt need in this wedding and he throws. Him, he, he participates. He participates fully. He's in there. What I love about this, A, Jesus respects his mom, but B, he's not a control freak. It probably wasn't the best time. Jesus says it's not the best time. It's, my time hasn't come yet. But it's his mom. right? So he's not, he doesn't over control the situation he recognizes his role and is willing to be in that role right? this reminds me of uh of a time when my youngest when my, one of my younger sisters her name was Krista was getting married uh to a man named Hans Eric and uh and so the wedding night, or the night before the wedding with the what do they call that the um rehearsal dinner right so the rehearsal dinner was going on and it was fun there was you know a great mix of people you know the majority of people and then there's some some new people on the other side so just enough to make things interesting people were swapping stories there was coffee there was food people having a um as the Flintstones would say a gay old time Um, and everyone was it was great and so uh people are swapping stories and then my mom goes hey Ryan You should in front of everybody, right? She goes, Ryan. You should tell that story from the Princess Bride. I was a huge Princess Bride fan, right? She says, do that, do that monologue that the priest does before the wedding, and I, just like Jesus, right there, mom, woman, right? Why do you involve me? It's been like ten years since you know since I've really been into that. It's been like, and I reacted as, as a child. I had that moment, right? That that youthful rebellion, and I, and I didn't do it, and it was, it was a bummer. I'm not gonna, we have a lot of people that were present at said party. It was kind of a bummer. It was weird. It was awkward. I'm like, mom, totally inappropriate, and mom was like, total wet blanket, right? <laughs> so Jesus had a better reaction to that moment, right? He understood that he had responsibilities outside of himself, right, and he was willing to respond to those. So I love Jesus for that. I love Jesus for that moment that he has with his mom and how well he handled it. <laughs> the second resonance that I think about this passage was the private versus public nature of this miracle. So this is the only gospel where um, where we hear about this miracle, right? in so it's the first one. Um, and the other thing I like about it is he does it like in the middle. Is at a wedding. There's a lot of people there, right? But he doesn't, You know, he's not a carnival parker. He doesn't get out his director's, you know, cone and say, come on down. I'm about to start something amazing, right? And get people to, while he, you know, sort of magically waves his fingers over the jars. No, he he does none of that. He's in the middle of a party, but he does a miracle, not hidden. He's not trying to hide what he does. He does it in the presence of people, but he doesn't call attention to it. He's not bringing people there, In that regard, he's not trying to draw glory to himself. I think of Matthew 6, verses 5 through 6, when it says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell to you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen, Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And this is the same God that tells people to go into all the world and to make disciples. So there is an interplay between this public and private nature to our faith. And God, and Jesus nails it in this moment. He nails it in that moment. Um... I think, likewise, Jesus today, God today, does meaningful things in places or at times when we're not paying attention. Let me repeat that. So often, the meaningful things happen in places and at times where we are not paying attention, right? This wedding was going on, and there was a, a ministry that would save mankind, beginning in the corner, right? Now, in Mazatlan, where we live, um, it's in a very mountainous region. And only about 10 years ago, they cut in these highways, right? Which is great, because would, would, had we gone into the field 20 years ago, we would have had gone in via helicopter, right? Or we'd have to hike in a long, long time. So I am grateful for these roads. I do not mean to, to discount the value of these roads. But roads are for moving people in and moving people out. They have a specific purpose, Move people in. It's a great purpose. I take advantage of it. Every time I go in and out in my F-150, These shocks need to be replaced far too often. (laughs) So I I understand the value of that. And along that road, you you can buy Cokes. You can buy beer. right? And so you have commerce and travel that happens on that road. And people speak Spanish along the roads. People speak Spanish on the roads. But as soon as you get off the road, then the world changes. This is where people have their houses. So you walk off the trails, and you go through a house, and, you, and then the world is different. And you can see a man, and you can say, <laughs> And you're gone. And the, the world is different, radically different. You can see a a little girl fall down, and her mother will comfort her and be, Minushikama, uh, anzene, hone, nyanukinye, aibi, aibi. And a mother will speak to her daughter who has fallen down, and she will whisper to her in words and comfort her in a way that she wouldn't do on the road, right? That comforting is not meant for the road, that those words aren't meant for the road. That's a different place. So often, God is working just off the road, just to the side of where all the activity is. In Masatlan, Mazatek, just off the road, the trails are the beating hearts of the community. This is where real things happen. This is where real people live. This is where people feel things and relate to one another, just off the road. Uh, If any of you have been hiking, if you like to hike or get off the trail, you can drive up, up Highway 1, and there are beautiful, beautiful things to see. But when you go off the road and you go off of those beaten paths, you will see beauty like none other. If any of you are into bird watching or into any sort of biodiversity, you know that when you go off the roads, you will see a richness that you simply do not see on the beaten path. Right? You see vistas that are uh, breathtaking. You feel small in the face of everything that is out there. And it's not just biodiversity that is that is great off the road. Linguistic diversity is huge. We live in one of the most dense linguistic areas on the planet. There's about five. I think ours is the best. Five dense linguistic areas. So, the Sierra Mazateca, which is a mountain range, is only about 150 kilometers long. How, I'm really bad at math. That's why I'm a linguist. How many miles is 150 kilometers? Can anyone help me figure that out? It's just a little over 100. About 100 miles. Not, not a huge range, right? But... There are somewhere between 9 and 20 Mazatecan languages, right? There are a lot of languages in a small space. That's crazy. It's beautiful. We serve a God who likes to paint with lots of colors. He is not content with the 16 Crayola box. He paints with lots and lots of color. This is right off the road. God is working right off the road. He's doing important things right off the road, in his world, in his creation, but just to the side. We're at the party, and he's doing the miracles right there. So what I would, I would encourage you um, to go off onto the paths, right? To be looking for those places, and parents and grandparents, if you have children or grandchildren who somehow become fascinated by what God is doing right off the road, uh, do not quench that spirit, Do not tell them that they shouldn't follow Christ there because there are beautiful things happening there that are worthy of a career, worthy of more than that. The other thing that impresses me is who sees the miracle. Oh, before I go to that, pardon me. I got caught up. So these are places that are just off the road. And also the timing of Jesus' miracle is just off what one would expect. If we go here in John chapter 2 to verse um, 9. The toastmaster of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine, and he did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called to the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings the choice wine out first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. His timing was different than expected, and so often God's timing is different than ours. When I was high school, in high school, my favorite television show was Twin Peaks, Um, and it is weird and amazing. Uh, I promise you, you'll be weirded out and amazed by it if you ever watch it. But in in it, uh, Laura Palmer, Laura Palmer was the person who was killed, and Leland Palmer was driven insane with grief. So, the whole thing is finding out who killed Laurel Palmer. One of the things that Leland Palmer, Palmer does in his insanity is sing a little ditty. He sort of dances with his absent daughter and sings this ditty, which goes, and some of you know it from before Twin Peaks, which goes, Maresy dotes and dozy oats and little lambsy divey, a kiddly divey too, wouldn't you? And so I loved that. I thought that was the funniest thing in the world because it sounds like nonsense, it sounds like gibberish. And it's not until the second verse comes around where. I guess that would be the chorus. Not till the verse comes around, and it says, Though the words you hear, they may sound queer, they may sound jumbled and jivey, that mares eat oats, and does eat oats, and little lambs eat ivy. And you realize, ah, I had the words cut up all wrong. In language, we call this a parsing error. Right? A parsing error. This is one of the reasons that everyone say a whole nother thing. That's a whole nother thing. They've parsed it wrong. There is an other, and there is an un- but you say a whole nother. The end's gotten misparsed. It's on the next one. It's a parsing error. It's fun. Now, I love that because it shows you that sometimes we're looking in the wrong places for meaning. We're not looking at the right part of the song. We're not cutting things up right. We're not following the appropriate pace, the appropriate rhythm, and we lose the meaning. And it sounds like gibberish. Sometimes I feel that in my life. You see, God, I, I don't understand your pace. This is it's been too long uh, or too short. I don't understand why. I'm not cool with what's happening right now. Things should be happening different. As a father, as uh, in my career, as a husband, I find these times where I'm just not, I I, I don't feel, I'm not looking at the right rhythms. Um, I'll have a moment with my son. This is a true moment. You know, And I, I, I felt this moment coming on, a teachable moment to my son. So I sit him down, and I look meaningful into, my, into his eyes. And he looks at me, and I said, David, we need to talk about the difference between the letter of the law and following the spirit of the law. This is important. you know." And he's looking at me, and we seem to be connecting. And then he says, Dad, I think Beast Boy's best form is the demon gorilla form. <laughs> and... And that, that's why he was looking at me, right? He was concentrating on figuring out which of the Beast Boy forms were the best forms. And, and I'd missed the moment. I'd missed the moment. I wasn't, we weren't in sync. I wasn't at the right place. I, I'd lost it. So often we're looking at the wrong moments and we're not following Christ's rhythm. We're not following Christ's time. We're not seeing what he's doing in that moment. Are we plugging up every meaningful moment? Are we plugging up too many beats in our lives with um, extracurricular activities, with books, with TV, with Candy Crush, with texting someone, checking our schedules? We plug up so many beats. Are we missing what Jesus is doing? Are we missing those rhythms that God is putting in our lives? Are we missing them because we're concentrating on other rhythms? So, God's working just off to the side. God's working at rhythms a little bit different than our rhythms. And also, the people who see this first miracle. So, Mary says, go go tell him, do what he says. So, these servants, they don't have any choice. They go and they fill the jars, and they do what they're meant to do. In um, verse... I guess going back again to verse 9, the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine, and he did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drew the water, drawn the water knew. So the banquet master didn't see the miracle. Didn't see it. This is the first miracle of a pretty impactful ministry. It's a pretty good one Jesus is embarking on. The, the banquet master was right there. He's in charge of the wine. He didn't see it. The bridegroom did not see it. the inv- the The, inv- the wedding at- in- invitees, those who were invited to the wedding, didn't see it. Hmm? Who saw it? Well, the servants saw it. They were they were lugging around those jars. They saw it. And the other people who saw it, we see in chapter. Uh, or in verse 11, which says, what Jesus did here in Cana Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed him. So we see the servants and the disciples are those that see this first miracle. Oh, his mother. Presumably his mother. Thank you, Isabel. Lest we forget the heroine of this this story. Um, So... We see the servants and the disciples, those who are close to Jesus, were the ones that, that witnessed this miracle. So, um, and the disciples saw it and believed. So these people, this was, it's amazing to me. It's amazing to me how few people see this. And sometimes I think it's amazing when God talks about um, the gate being narrow, right? The gate being narrow. You think, well, why does he make it so hard for people to see? He's not making it hard, it's just he's not calling people to him, right? He's, not, well, he's calling people to him, but he's not making a big show. He's not being false in his ministry. Right? When, when faith is performed, you ca- I can feel it when someone, when someone is performing their faith. It feels, it, f- it rings off. It's a, a friend of mine who is a carpenter used this term just yesterday. He said it's half a bob off plumb which I thought was the neatest expression, half a bob-off plum. That just sounds good on the tongue, and I love the imagery just a little bit. When people perform their, play, their faith, they, they, don't get it. they don't get it right. They don't get it straight, right? It's, it's off, and Jesus doesn't do that, right? So I ask you here today at church, I love church. I love being here with you, and I'm not going to say this is a bad place, but if you have been invited to church, because of the music and because of the preaching, which I personally love and listen to, even from, from a country away. If you have come for the music, if you have come for the chat time afterwards, well, welcome. That's a wonderful thing to come from. Right? Just like at the wedding. These people were invited. The wedding wasn't a bad place to be. Jesus was invited. Jesus went. Right? But are you just an invitee here? Is that what you're doing? Are you just enjoying the wedding? If so, welcome. Welcome and enjoy, right? You can be fed in that way. But if you want to see Jesus, if you want to see what Jesus is doing, draw close. Find where he is and draw close to him. If he says, hey, fill up those jars, you be the one to go fill up those jars. Because that's what Jesus is doing. And you want to see what Jesus is doing. And it's not just in church. I'm, I'm not simply concerned with making you into model congregants. Um, well, I'm passionate about the church and want churches to prosper. But it's not just about that. When you're in your job and you go to your job, you're like, all right, I'm here for my job. I need to provide for my family. That's a good thing. That's not bad. But what's Jesus doing here? Look around. Is he Is he over there? I want to go help what Jesus is doing in this situation. Hmm? If you have hobbies, if you hike, if you mountain climb, if you have groups, if there's play dates, if there's there's knitting circles, who knows, right? What is Jesus doing there? He's got to be doing something because Jesus is all over the place. He he does fun stuff. It's not always right in the center of the activity, but it's there. It's there. What is Jesus doing in your life? What is Jesus doing in that place? Don't be content with just attending. Don't be a, a content with just being an invitee. Find Jesus and help Jesus. If you want to see God's glory revealed, draw close to Jesus. Thank you.